You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your headspace, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews from jaysfromthecouch.com, and it, we have some positive things to talk about, some negative things to talk about today. Usually how it goes, it's it's nice to have positive things to talk about, I guess, and we will talk about the starters and how they did during the Blue Jays' four-game series with Tampa Bay. The Blue Jays earned a split. We're going to focus on the youngsters because, really, that's what the Major League team is doing at this point in time. So, why should we do otherwise? So, we're going to talk about Sean Reed Foley. We're going to talk about Thomas Pannone. We're going to talk about Ryan Barucki. We're going to focus on them, maybe a little bit of bullpen talk. Um, and, obviously, we're going to talk about the start of the Houston Astros series today and the return of Roberto Osuna to Toronto. We'll touch on that later. I I want to save that for the end. But no, let's start with the pitchers who are on the Blue Jays and are as far as we know good people and part of the solution instead of part of the problem. So again, the Rays were going to be a good test for the Blue Jays starters. It, it's a team that still had very slim playoff aspirations and and was trying to make good on them and was going all out for them. So it was going to be a good test to see how the Blue Jays dealt with a team like that who really has a lot on the line. And, well, let, let's go in chronological order. Let's start with Sean Reed Foley and what was probably his last start of the season, just given the amount of innings that Sean Reed Foley has pitched this year, he had already set a career high in innings up to this point, and uh, and his four innings on Friday gave him a grand total of 159 and two thirds innings pitched. That's a career high, as we said. So it makes sense to kind of taper him back, make sure he doesn't do anything silly to his arm, like Michael Kopech. So. What we learned from Sean Reed Foley at the major league level is essentially what we figured out of Sean Reed Foley at a minor league level. The stuff that he has will play and play well at the major league level. The way he's able to use all his pitches and and just get a lot of movement on the fastball and, and the way he just goes out there and attacks he he has the potential to be a really good starter for the Blue Jays. Like you could say number three very easily for Sean Reed Foley. Just the problem with him has been his control. And the start against Tampa was a perfect microcosm of that. He had five strikeouts against four walks, gave up six hits, two, two earned runs. He got the benefit of the errors um, from Rowdy Tellez to kind of keep him relatively down on the ERA. He ends with a 540 ERA in Toronto this season. And again, it, it's that lack of control, that that 
propensity to walk batters. That's probably knocked Sean Reed Foley down in the race to make the 2019 rotation. And that's that's perfectly fine. Sean Reed Foley is the youngest of the three starting pitchers who we saw against the Rays. He's still he's still just 23. Just turned 23 last month. So there's a lot of growth potential for Sean Reed Foley and when he if he can work on cutting down the walks and maintaining control a little bit more, he's going to have a chance to be a really good starter at major league level, but I don't think he's going to be ready to make that rotation immediately out of 2019 spring training. Especially when you consider the performance of Saturday starter Thomas Pannone, who went out and and was, again, just absolutely solid. Six and two-thirds innings, almost got through that seventh, just needed a little bit of help getting across the finish line in a close game. Delivered another quality start, struck out five, Walk three, which which is a bit iffy, but Lazdiaz behind the plate was like not giving a lot of pitches on Saturday. So Pannone went out there. And Thomas Pannone has really stepped stepped up and, and asserted himself in that rotation discussion. He he was thought to have maybe an outside chance to make appearances earlier in the season before the eighty game suspension for PEDs, but the way he's bounced back and, and put himself back together and, and just gone out there and been fearless on the mat. That's a big thing we're looking for these pitchers. Like, do they have the mental capacity to go out there and just work through whatever they need to work through? And Pannone was able to do that. Once again, he faced a bases-loaded situation early in this game in the top of the third, right after he gave up that home run to Tommy Pham. And, it, and then three straight walks, Duffy, Crone, and Wendell all getting aboard, brought out a talk from from Pete Walker and, and just, you know, a kind of reset there. And then he bounced back immediately after that to strike out Willie Adamas. It, it's huge for Pannone to be able to, to do that and have that kind of teachable moment where, you know, he's just cruising along and then all of a sudden Tommy Pham connects and... And clearly it rattled him. He lost any sight of the strike zone in the batters immediately after that. So it it's good for him to experience that for, for Pete Walker to come out and be like, hey, just settle down. You you got this. You know, take that kind of moment and breathe, not get too worked up about things. And then again, come back with with strong innings after that. It, that was a real last bit of trouble Pannone had until the seventh, which I, I, yeah, that was that was tough because when, when I watch Jesus Sucre just swinging for the fences there, and he and he missed on that first pitch, I'm like, okay, you cannot give him another pitch near that area code because he's just gonna whack it, and he did. He immediately whacked that changeup over the left field wall, which. No, was a bit rough. Pannone, I I think with with a little bit more coaxing, he could have gotten that seventh inning complete. But still, a great start from him, and he's asserted himself over Sean Reed Foley as as a guy who's who's got a leg up on that rotation spot for next year, just because he's a bit more polished, he has a bit more control, and he knows what he wants to do. 
he goes out and does it and and doesn't have to worry about a, a kind of lack in control now again there does he have to work on the mental issues a little bit yeah because he can't let himself come completely undone like that after a home run and just just kind of lose the plot of the game but when he got that talk and and was able to settle down he showed he could just you know, kind of go on autopilot and just cruise and just get whatever he needs to do. If he needs a double play ball, he can get a double play ball, which will serve him very well at this level. And like I said, I think at this time, and we'll we'll go on to it a little little later on next month when we start projecting our 2019 line, lineups for the Blue Jays. Pannon has has become that fifth starter in in my mind right now just the way he's able to go out there and deliver consistent innings for the Blue Jays and and actually you know be a be a guy who you're not relying on just throwing random bullpen arms out there just to kind of make up the difference you know you're gonna get six innings out of him he's been very consistent with that since becoming a starter for the Blue Jays. So that that I think is why I think I put him above Sean Reed Foley for sure, just because I know I'm getting length out of Thomas Pannone. I'm getting, you know, a guy who who knows his body and can go out there and deliver the again, the frames that the Blue Jays need, especially just the way it's been so inconsistent this year with how many innings they've actually gotten out of their starters. So I, I like Thomas Pannone for that slot. I think he's going to stay there. And we will talk about the guy who already had his, his 2019 rotation spot locked up, but has really come on strong lately to to assert himself and make sure people know that he he's here and he's going to be a guy who, ne- who you watch in 2019. We'll talk about him right after this break. All right, so Ryan Barucki, favorite of pretty much everyone at this point, took a tough loss on the weekend. Like, there's there's nothing you can do when you're facing a legitimate Cy Young candidate in Blake Snell. Like, it it was just you, there's nothing you can say that would change what happened. Blake Snell going out there. With 11 strikeouts and six and two thirds innings, he's got an ERA 190. The Blue Jays were not going to deal well with Blake Snell, so Ryan Barucki was going to be in trouble. But for the most part, Barucki held his own. He delivered seven innings, gave up only three hits, struck out seven, walked four. One of them was intentional, so we'll give him that. But so just a little it was a little things that that he kind of got burned on Tommy Pham just was a beast against the Blue Jays in this series and he victimized Ryan Barucki on the base pass he was able to steal second to help set up that first run he's able to take third on a deep fly ball doing doing the things that Tampa's kind of known for offensively, doing those little things that that generate runs as opposed to just waiting for home runs because, come on, they're not coming. So 
Pham was able to score on that Joey Wendell double in the fourth. He was able to score on that Crone double in the set in the sixth. So it, it still shows what we've talked about with Ryan Barucki in the past, that he does have to do a better job dealing with base runners when they reach upon him, especially ones like Tommy Pham, who have a bit of speed and and can really make life difficult on the base paths. But for the most part, when Tommy Pham wasn't on base, Barucki dealt very well with what he needed to do. Didn't get rattled by by errors. Didn't get didn't get discouraged. Just went out and you know got the outs he needed to get. Again, solid seven innings. That's that's what we're excited about when we see a Blue Jays rotation member actually go seven innings and and set things up. Was was let down by the bullpen again, but that that seems to be par for the course, to be honest. Jose Fernandez had a terrible series against the Rays, just was not any kind of effective and you know gave up that home run to Brandon Lau, which when you give up a home run to the guy who was who was a target to face by intentionally walking the, the guy previously ahead of him, that's not a good sign. So again, I, I ticketed Jose Fernandez as that kind of Buffalo jockey next year, the guy who goes up and down between the clubs and, and just kind of, you know, comes up when needed. So it it looks like he's going to be stuck in that role just when the Blue Jays need another lefty arm in the pen because Tim Mays has got that job locked up. So it was rough for him. But again, this is what the Blue Jays are about, is that about figuring what they have in these young arms and trying to build that staff next year. And with the performances of their starters, a lot of question marks in that rotation are being filled, which, again, this is something that the Blue Jays needed to do, just the way the rotation absolutely fell apart this year. And with the continuing question marks on Aaron Sanchez's health and Marcus Stroman's health and, you know, Marco Estrada's departure, Jay Happ being traded out, there was a lot of innings to fill. And the way Barucki and Pannone and Sean Reed Voley have performed, it looks very clear that they are going to be up to the task of filling those innings, especially the lefties. Now, they will likely sign someone in free agency, probably a right-hander to slot into that fourth spot in the rotation, kind of break up Pannone and Barucki and and make it so that they're not going lefty-lefty in the rotation. Like I said, I, I really like James Shields in that role, just as a veteran guy who can eat innings, just teach guys, you know, what it means to be a big leaguer on a regular basis, steady, confident, controlled. I I really like James Shields in that mentor role. If the White Sox don't re-sign him, I I think the Blue Jays should go after him. But again, it's it's about kind of building that foundation going forward. And with the performances Barucki and Pannone have had, they give the Blue Jays a foundation. They give them a solid floor in that rotation. And that'll be key moving forward as the hitting prospects come up and, and start to deliver a little more offense than the team has been getting from certain other members of the lineup who are not talking about today because this is a pitching day. And we will continue talking about one pitcher in particular 
coming up on the other side of this break. But first, just wanted to talk to you guys right quick about Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with the experiences that they deserve and that they will remember forever. With Vivid Seats, you can get tickets to your favorite teams, watch your favorite artists in person. If you want tickets for this Astro series, there are really good seats available on Vivid Seats. I checked it out before the podcast. You can get like right behind the, the dugout on the infield for like 15 bucks. That, that's pretty good. If I was in Toronto, I would definitely take advantage of that. But I'm not because plane tickets are super expensive. But if you're in the Toronto area with Vivid Seats, you can get exactly the kind of seat that you deserve. And if you enter the podcast code Locked On, listeners can receive $20 off orders of $200 or more if they are a first-time customer of Vivid Seats. So, you know, if you go to the App Store, Google Play, download the app, enter the promo code, that's 20 bucks off. That's a popcorn at the Rogers Center, you know, so have yourself a snack while you're enjoying your baseball or enjoying your live event, your concert, what, whatever you want to do, Vivid Seats can help you make those memories, and all orders are backed by 100% guarantee. So make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. Okay, so, yeah, this, you know, I, I don't like talking about this garbage person to borrow the Philly DeFranco phrase, but Roberto Osuna is coming back to Toronto for the first time since he was arrested for domestic abuse. And I I wrote about it on jaysfrontacouch.com today, just kind of, again, crystallizing my emotions on it and how I feel about Roberto Osuna. Well, pitching. First of all, because as we've seen in in recent months, MLB has a very bad problem with domestic violence in its ranks. And it was just given more fuel with the Addison Russell news from last week, the piece that his ex-wife, Melissa Reedy, put out detailing the kind of abuse that she would suffer on a daily basis physical, emotional, verbal abuse from a person who would not accept any responsibility for their actions, which is like, I'm young and, and stressful and baseball. Shut up. Shut up. That is no excuse. 12-year-olds know you're not supposed to hit girls. 22-year-olds should know better as well. So I I do not buy into youth as a a logistical excuse at all. So shut up with that. And again, I was I was having a conversation on Twitter just in regards to um it was actually with um Mike Sexton at uh, Dodgers fan always and I laid out that I can't actually root for an American League team because all of them have a domestic abuser on them except for Cleveland and we're not going to get into why Cleveland's problematic to root for as a neutral fan. But yeah, it it's 
a problem that MLB has, and there there's, doesn't seem to be any kind of incentive to punish teams for employing these guys. Like I said, Oakland went out and got Eurus Familia at the deadline and accused domestic abuser. Houston acquired Roberto Osuna, and I know looking at it now, it it's worked out better for the Blue Jays, but it's sad that it has to work out better and it has to get to that point where where trading someone who is accused of doing terrible things to to someone they had who had complete trust in them. And you you almost feel sick looking at it from a baseball perspective. Cause that that isn't not the point of all this. The point is that there's a 23-year-old making millions of dollars who has not paid the price. And and they his lawyer's looking for a peace bond, trying to avoid going to trial. If they go to trial, they're gonna plead not guilty. But like it it looks like it they're just like buying their way out of it. Which does not help the root cause of the issue that that they're in an environment where masculinity is so sought after and so praised that if they don't get it at home, they feel the need to do these terrible kind of things. And, you know, we're, I'm not going to try and get into the root cause of why men act the way they do, but I know that the MLB is not giving enough of a deterrent to really stop it. I said it when they suspended Osuna for 80 games and tacked it on to time already served. Like, how how does that say we we stand against this? Give, giving that extra time. I said it should have been the, the entire season. I stand by it. And as I said in the article today, if I did go on vivid seats and get and I did get my seat behind the dugout for this game, I would boo the ever loving bejesus out of Roberto Osuna. And I'm I know that's an extreme word to be using on this podcast. I went bejesus on this. But that that's just how strongly I feel. Every I, I know people are like, oh, he's, he's young, deserves a second chance. No, you have to show you're sorry before you even think about getting a second chance. There's a reason why I don't rag on a guy like Kevin Pillar like I do on garbage person Roberto Osuna. Because Kevin Pillar actually showed contrition. Kevin Pillar showed, showed a remorse for his actions and showed steps to better himself. Because of his actions. So I'm willing to accept Kevin Pillar's apology. Because he it feels like he's done things to earn that apology. Roberto Osuna has done absolutely nothing. Him and, him and Addison Russell have been exactly the same. Just like, eh, it's not my fault. It's, it's you've and, and uh, issues. Shut up. No. Show, show some friggin' acceptance of your own stupid destructive actions and no that's why i i'm i feel nothing for roberto osuna i feel he should be castigated for what he did i feel he should 
not be able to walk down a street without being reminded of what he did. And I know it's it's strong feelings. It's feelings I, I hoped I got across. I tried to frame it as best I could. Shai Davidi on Sportsnet did a great job framing it. Definitely check out what he wrote about it. But it it's it's the way I feel. And as I said in the article, when you know someone who's gone through it and see the damage it's done to them, you you do feel far strongly about it as opposed to a game. And yeah, that's why I I don't think I can forgive Roberto Osuna for what he did. Definitely not the way he's acted. Certainly not helping. But yeah, that's that's how I feel on that. And I hope the Blue Jays fans in attendance give him the reaction that he deserves should he make an appearance in this series. That's what I have to say on that. And that brings us to the end of today's episode of Locked on Blue Jays. Thank you all for sticking with me for that last segment. I Again, I hate talking about stuff like this. I want to talk baseball. I want to talk fun things with you all. And if you want to do that, you can follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's NeoAC18. You know, we'll we'll hopefully enjoy the last week of the season and, and just, you know, savor what baseball we have in Canada before it goes away for another six months of hibernation. Try to survive. Do our best. Follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnJays. Make sure you have that checked so you don't miss an episode. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you're not missing an episode. And again, just want to thank you all for taking the time out of your day and listening to this this short little podcast we got here. So for everyone here on the Locked On Podcast Network and at Locked On Blue Jays, I'm Ryan Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode, and y'all take care. <laughs>